0: Welcome to Gender Meowster Podcast Network. Genderful is a talk show featuring non-binary and trans folks discussing various topics and special interests. We kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of identities. All opinions are the speaker's own. This show airs live on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash and VODs with show notes can also be found on YouTube. everyone. I am Gender master and I use they-them pronouns. And I have a wonderful guest with me today. Hello, would you like to introduce yourself with your name and pronouns? Hi, everybody. My name is Myth. You might know me
1: as Amethyst. I do go by both, and my pronouns are they-them.
0: Yay-them. Yay-them. I don't know why I'm feeling funny today, but I am. Well, I am so grateful Kat. that you wanted to hang out today and talk about cool stuff. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so exciting. When am I not feeling funny, Mir me, me asked? Maybe when I'm actively asleep. <laughs> so, I realized that you are a human being in the world that exists when you did a cool tweet. Yes. And I want to share the tweet, but first, maybe could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? What do you do when you're not here on this talk show? What does your life look oh. like? Oh, What do I do? And Vibe and Exist is totally an answer.
1: Yeah, I vibe and exist. The past year has been hard on everybody, so I've been mostly surviving that. I am a writer, and when there's not a panini going on, I'm a public speaker, and I mostly write and speak on autism and neurodiversions and disability rights, so that's my realm of where I usually do my work. As a person, I am a huge nerd, I'm a big bookworm, I'm a writer, and just for fun and pleasure picking things and I play a lot of role-playing games online with my group of friends. I'm currently running two campaigns. One is like loosely 5e uh, D&D and one is a Phoenix Dawn Command campaign which I managed to like jury-rig to work in uh, Rule 20. <laughs> it's nice. really not intended for that but I managed yep. to make it work and otherwise I am just vibing in with my cats.
0: That's so cool. I love that for you. <laughs> yeah. I'm I am a Twitch streamer and mm. I have a really cool Discord community and I'm also like autistic, ADHD, neurodivergent, invisible disabilities with chronic pain. Same. <laughs> trans, non-binary transmasculine like all the things. So I okay. spend a lot of time at home with this cute cat and Kitty who's on screen, and my wonderful wife, Trans Capybara, who's working very hard in the other room and also lurking in the stream. This is what I do. I like hang out and have conversations with people about gender, and it's like the coolest job ever. <laughs> it does. It sounds like the coolest job ever. We were playing, so my birthday, my stream birthday was last week. A, a week ago today. So we're a year and one week old now, the stream.
1: Congratulations.
0: Thank you. It's really cool that we managed to get this far. And so we played Night in the Woods which, I don't know if you've heard of that game, but it has I lots of portrayals of, yeah. of mental health and things. But there was this line where the main character, May, runs into the video store and is talking to I don't remember which character was behind the desk, if it was the bear character or the the deer, but says to the, the character, like oh, who was that? Oh, it was this, this video historian. It's like VHS historian. And May was like, how do you get a job like that? And the, the historian says, it sounds like the kind of job you get when you don't need a job. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's too real.
1: Yeah. It's so funny. Oh, oh, to be privileged enough to just soak in your hobby all day. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So, anyways, for some reason, I laughed really hard when we got there, because I was like, I have this because, like, disability and autism, and thankfully, like happy vera is mm-hmm. a software engineer so like oh. she pays rent and i can be disabled and be of service to people on the internet but it'd be cool to one day have enough income to support us so she can retire
1: yeah no i get that my my platonic life partner marvin works and supports the two of us cuz i do make some money from like selling t-shirts uh, on redbubble and public speaking engagements the occasional writing job, but yeah, I wouldn't be able to support myself as is, so I acknowledge how lucky I am in that regard.
0: Yeah, and it means that we get to do things like make cool content and art that changes people's lives for the better.
1: Yeah, I sometimes it can feel like with everything that's going on and all the people in the world, what I've done is small. And sometimes even the feeling of not enough, but I do know that there are people who have had their lives positively impacted by my videos or my writing. That's really cool and humbling. And Josen Star says, you know, that my videos were important in their case. So that's totally a good example. <laughs> Being reminded. Yeah. yeah. What we do Jozen, matters.
0: Josen has been a guest on the show before. Whoops, I was trying to fix my camera popped up there. Josin was our episode three guest, and now we're in episode 22. Ooh. Yeah, we talked about gender abolition. It was a great talk. If you ever want to geek out about that for a while, it's on YouTube, on a playlist I can send it to you. (laughs) Yeah, it's wonderful talking about all of that stuff. But today, we're going to talk about like autism and neurodiversity and all of those things. And I wanted to start by sharing the tweet that got my attention. Mm-hmm. And helped me realize that you, one, exist, and two are really cool. Thank you. So would you like to read this to us or would you like me to read to us? I don't know if there's too much lag and it's hard <clears throat> to read over Twitch or what you'd like to do. No, I I can read it. I just have to get, go to my Twitter real quick. Sweet. And for anyone who's wondering, Myth's Twitter handle is at Neuro which is such a fun way to say that. Like, (laughs) my talk show is genderful, which is gender-wonderful. Yeah. So I love that that's the handle you picked for your Twitter. That's so Yeah, I've been
1: using that since I think around 2013 on Tumblr. It was Mm -hmm. my blog handle. Okay, so this tweet that did take off a little bit, got some attention. I've seen it in the wild, like, screenshotted elsewhere. It's part joke and part serious. It says, the five neurodivergent love languages, info dumping, parallel play, Support swapping. Please crush my soul back into my body. And I found this cool rock slash button slash leaf, etc. And I thought you would like it. It's so amazing.
0: <laughs> Seriously, okay. I have sent this to my therapist. I showed my wife. Everyone loves it. And then you go on to... Define or explain each one, which I super love. And if you'd be willing to read those to folks who might be listening later, too.
1: So I'll read the tweet. And if I think of anything in the moment that I want to add to it, I will. But going through these replies. So people were asking, like, what are those things? And info dumping is... Talking about an interest or passion of yours. Sharing information, usually in detail and at great length, but you can like micro info dump for sure. Parallel play. Some people call this being alone together or just existing together. It's when you're, you know, both reading your own books in the same room or one person is doing a puzzle while another plays a video game, etc. Just like existing together. Uh, Support swapping. I think I just used this term. I don't know if it was an existing term before this tweet thread, really. Uh, I use it to mean when neurodivergent people specifically accommodate or support each other in areas that are affected by their neurodivergence. If I remind a friend who has poor interoception to hydrate and they ask me if i've taken my meds uh, like that support swapping or if a friend helps me write an email and get the tone and then later i help them with the executive functioning of homework like i consider that support swapping and i have uh, friends that
0: i do this with and i didn't realize it was a neurodivergent thing
1: yeah i think we are really good at we will learn ways to support ourselves and accommodate ourselves but we also I've noticed Origin people just tend to offer help to each other. And it, I have heard that some people who have anxiety or executive functioning issues can overcome it for somebody else. So that can be a hack.
0: Help so, you do your taxes, you help me do my taxes. Yeah, and
1: <laughs> since making this thread, I had people reply to me. And so I learned about a term specifically more ADHD related, I think, called body doubling. Which is where mm-hmm. things like brushing your teeth or are doing things you need to do um, that it involve executive functioning, and getting started uh, are easier if somebody else does it with you or alongside you.
0: Oh my gosh! So I guess yes. body
1: doubling is in that support swapping. Yeah,
0: umbrella. it sounds like a combination of parallel play and support swapping. I love that so much. Yeah,
1: yeah. And then the last one is, or the last two are, uh, please crush my soul back into my body, which is basically just deep pressure input. Good. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, providing totally. that proprioceptive input can really like soothe your nervous system and many neurodivergent people get comfort from like a weighted blanket. I take it a step further and I'm like, just put your you on my me. Please yeah. just throw your legs over mine. Squish me. Give me a real good crushing hug when I trust someone. Like that's really, it's really good. <laughs> like, it is. deep pressure and put good. And then the, I found this cool rock, button leaf, etc. is like unconventional gift giving that is sharing things that are valuable or interesting to you as a sign of affection or giving someone else something they know that they'd be interested in. Like my friend Leaf really likes rocks. So Mm -hmm. if I find a cool rock, not even like a tumbled stone, but just like a cool rock somewhere, I'll probably pick it up and think of them and give it to them later because neurodivergent people might have interests that neurotypical people might side-eye or if not like disapprove of just think it's a little odd but if we give you a leaf or a rock or a I don't know a cool stamp or something like mm-hmm. it's an expression of affection and even if it's a little odd it's I think just as valid
0: totally. it's so wonderful to see this tweet and the thoughtfulness that went into it and I just think it's really cool that you want to like hang out and be my guest today so <laughs> Thanks for talking about more of the stuff. It's I feel like during pandemic especially, neurodiversity has become a special interest because like I discovered my own autism and ADHD because I was home a lot and so I wasn't masking anymore. Oh yeah. And then I'm like, oh, that's what's been going on. Wow. I'm it thinking helps.
1: that might not be an uncommon experience, honestly. Yeah,
0: no, yeah. I think a lot of people have had that. And so it's my my wife has been out as autistic for a couple of years now. And I think she realized she was trans by realizing she had what used to be called female autism. Now there's like all kinds right. of problematic ways. That's a whole thing yeah. and blah, blah. But uh, she realized her gender because of her neurodiversity. And so we, she helped me process me coming to terms with being autistic and telling other people in the world that I'm autistic because yeah. there was all this fear and there's so much, I don't know, stigma around it. No,
1: I get that. I totally get that. And I think it's so wonderful that you could have each other for that. And I have been the friend who is helping somebody who as Mm -hmm. an adult is going through it and realizing they're neurodivergent or autistic. So I've I've been in that position that Capybara was in and Mm -hmm. I just feel very happy when I get the chance to do that for somebody.
0: Yeah. I also just want to say, like, stretching and stimming and, like, self-care is totally allowed on this podcast. So if you need to do a thing, please don't feel like you have to mask to talk about (laughs) neurodiversity.
1: It's good. Thank you for that. And it always feels more welcome to have that. I do still, as much as I talk about how it's good to drop the mask when you can and how you should stim if you need to, I still have this just, it's so ingrained in me where I try to sit still, especially when I'm like, talking with my mouth with people mm-hmm. but I definitely over the course of this conversation you'll see me start to sting with my hands more maybe rock a little bit and it's not that I'm not actively trying to mask it's just it's so ingrained in me at this point to be charismatic to do the facial expressions to do the tone of voice and it, there are times when I can relax a little bit and I I think this is one of those times be a no. little bit more myself
0: no doing heart hands Sometimes I wiggle around so much I keep having to move my camera because I, hecked it up <laughs> while stretching. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay. It's all good though. Cool. Here's a fluffy question I came up with at some point. What is your favorite parallel play activity?
1: I, like I said, I'm a big bookworm, so I really like when you're in the same room with somebody and you're both reading something, like comics, you have a book, whatever. One of my fondest memories from a trip I took to LA, and I stayed with my friend Nick there, is that we were, we had gone to a bookstore together, and then we just spent some time with what we had gotten just reading in the same room just having quiet like decompression time and it's funny that in this like huge city uh with lots of fun things to do and I did lots of fun things on that trip that is a memory that really stands out to me just because Nick's a good friend and I just really appreciate having somebody who gets me in that way and can enjoy that kind of parallel play I love oh, that. we're re-rated
0: <laughs> yes my my wife and I the other day I think she was like sorting pictures on her computer she has like decades Mm -hmm. of photos that needs to be archived appropriately and i was like playing a video game on the tv with my little like switch dock or whatever
1: and so we're just both sitting on the
0: on the couch next to each other doing our things but it was so nice and like sometimes i'd reach out a foot (laughs) in her general direction like how little knuckle kitty here sometimes she'll be laying on one of us but then she'll just reach one paw out to the other one to just set it on you she likes yeah, exactly. to make sure she's cuddling everybody it's cats are
1: masters of, of just existing together in the same space
0: totally
1: yeah i like when you're parallel playing and say if you're both on your phones every once in a while you'll show a meme or something or if you're reading together i'm kind of i don't know maybe a bit of a nerd about it but if i come across a passage i really or a sentence in the book i really i will say can i read you this and i'll read it out loud and just share that part of it with them Mm -hmm. so just that that existing together with like periodic moments of sharing I find really comfortable
0: that's so nice I love it so much let's talk a little bit about gender how about how has your relationship to gender evolved over time such a big question totally
1: (laughs) the family I grew up in was I didn't have a perfect childhood uh, in a lot of ways. In some ways, it wasn't a good childhood, but something cool about my immediate family was that my mom didn't really go in for gender roles, and if my brother was interested in, like, pink and more, like, stratifically feminine things, go for it. Do what you like, and same went for me, but, like, to a degree. So there's always a little bit of getting two messages at the same time, mm-hmm. but in some ways, we were encouraged to just be ourselves, and I really liked that, but I didn't think much about gender. When I was around 13 or 14 is when I started seriously considering that I might not fully be a girl, and I had a friend at the time who one day, just out of nowhere in middle school, asked me, are you bisexual? And I said, what is that? And he explained, it's when you like girls and boys. And in my mind, because I was so, I don't know, as an autistic, I'm black and white thinker, naturally, mm-hmm. and I grew up in a heteronormative this normative society. So I thought to a girl, you had to be a boy. And I thought to a boy, you had to be a girl. So if you were bisexual, you liked both genders and were both genders at the same time. So I had this very wrong idea of what bisexual meant. But for a couple of years, that's in my head how I identified. Mm-hmm. was like bisexual like it meant both non-binary
0: and bi to me yeah like uh, by gender and bisexual yeah,
1: later i found the word genderqueer uh, i'm 30 like when i was first exploring gender online as a teenager uh, there wasn't really the word non-binary yet or mm-hmm. it wasn't super common yeah. what you saw much more was genderqueer so for many years just to myself that's how i identified and i took any opportunity to gender bend or cosplay or dress up in a costume that allowed mm-hmm. me to masculinize myself. Uh, a memory that really sticks out for me is in high school we had a kind of medieval banquet where you were encouraged to come in costume and LARP and there were professional actors there performing like the court roles That's and awesome. there was a little play that would happen throughout the night where some of the students were invited to like participate and I, I went as a the squire to my friend's night and I went as a boy with the hair slicked back and the shirt and the belt and the sword, and then part of the plot of the evening, which we did not clear with the adults, and so we just started performing in the middle of this thing, and they couldn't stop us, was uh, I'm revealed to be a woman in disguise. Like, my friend actually pulls my shirt open, revealing like, that my chest is bound, and I'm like 17 at the time, mm-hmm. just totally dramatic and into it, and there ends up being, the evening concludes with my character being judged by the church, and like, putting in the stocks. <laughs> so like, just... <laughs> I really enjoyed playing with gender, and even when I didn't have a very complete or accurate picture of what like transgender was or what genderqueer was, I I really always enjoyed the chances I had to play around with it. And I was always very into stories of Tamora Pierce's series, Alana, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. who was
1: a, a young woman who pretended to be a boy to become a knight, and then. Thinking back, it's so obvious that I was so upset when Alana is revealed to be a woman, Mm -hmm. Uh, like around the third book in this young adult series, and she begins to be called a woman and treated as a woman. I, I just, something about it was disappointing to me, and I couldn't put my finger on why, and I really liked the movie Mulan as a kid, Disney's Mulan, but again, there was like this sense of almost disappointment with how it turned out not because it's a bad story or anything just I was projecting and something wasn't quite coming to fruition the way I wanted it to and now I understand those feelings to be like that I'm loosely like trans masculine aligned I I think that's how I would place myself these days yeah so that was an expression of that and and then really my special interest basically in gender took off around 2014-2015 era tumblr when i was on there and when i first came to tumblr i did make some missteps i said some things that i now cringe look back on and it just makes me so grateful for the really lovely people in the community many of whom are also autistic who took the time to explain things to me and to explain terminology and yeah gave me resources that really sparked an interest and gender in general different cultures gender and things like that
0: and now here i am here you are wonderful neuro wonderful and gender wonderful yes (laughs) i love it do you how does being autistic inform your gender i i have lots Mm. of thoughts on this like the crossover between the venn diagram that is autistic and the venn diagram that is like some gender beyond cis and so i would love to hear your thoughts on it
1: Yeah, so, sorry if you hear the plane going overhead. I recently wrote a piece for the book Sincerely Your Autistic Child, which is a collection of essays from autistic adults written to the parents, the hypothetical parents of autistic children, like what we wish our parents would have known, and my Mm -hmm. essay in particular was on gender, uh, and sexuality a little bit, but about how autistic people are more likely to identify as anything but cisgender. And there's a lot of really interesting research finally being done about that, some autistic-led research, which is really neat. We don't quite know exactly why yet. It might be that it's because gender is a social construct, like not meaning that it isn't significant and important to many people, but that it's one of those social things that autistic people can have a hard time parsing or seeing the need for, that these gender roles that we're encouraged to conform to we might be more likely to question it. It also might be that we are just more likely to come out and identify as anything but cis. So there is that interesting intersection with autistic people in general. We're more likely to be non-cis and non-het. For me, there was a little bit of obliviousness going on, especially in my early life as a child and young teen. I just didn't, didn't catch on to a lot of the roles that I was supposed to be feeling that subtle pressure towards from society Mm -hmm. i had to have them obviously explained to me there were points in my childhood and and early teens where my peers would say you can't do that this is the role you are supposed to perform and until it was explicitly stated to me i didn't just pick it up Mm -hmm. from like the media and things around so there was some oblivious happening obliviousness happening in my early childhood and then as a teenager I felt very different in pretty much every way. I really resonated with stories of fantasy stories where someone finds out they're not really human, like they actually belong in some other fantasy land, or they're from some other planet, they're an alien. I just always felt different and a little distanced from my peers, and so I just- I didn't have words for autism. I wasn't diagnosed yet. I didn't even really know what autism was. I didn't yet have words really for like transgender. So I just felt like there was something very weird about me. And it all got lumped in together. Mm -hmm. And only later in life did I begin to attempt to pull that apart and figure out like what parts of me that feel so different is gender. What part of it is neurotype? And the answer was that some of these things are impossible. To, to untangle or yeah. pull apart because they're so linked. I do feel like, in a way that I'm not 100% sure about putting words to yet, being autistic and the neurotype I have does definitely influence my perception of gender. Sometimes I feel like it makes it a little bit difficult for me to pin down my own feelings. I want- I, I am the kind of autistic person who tends to want facts and like objectivity and to be Mm -hmm. able to make a pros and cons list, or to be able to categorize things, and taxonomy is really important to me, having words is really important to me, so there was a time when I would get really frustrated around that 2015-2016 era tumblr learning stage because I found these different micro-labels and none of them were quite right, and I was feeling like maybe there was something wrong with me again, like that if I didn't quite fit in anything, is it possible that I'm even too weird for, you know, being non-binary? But now I understand uh, more that for some micro labels like uh, Demi Boy or Gender Flux are very useful and validating, but for others, it's just none of them quite fit. And so I've come to the place of being okay with just the general terms of like trans or non-binary or genderqueer. I'm okay with that these days, and I put less pressure on myself to to fit into a, a box that might be super comfortable for someone else, but isn't quite right for me. Yeah.
0: So in the, when we were doing sort of our pre-interview, like what are some things we might talk about? You mentioned this phrase autogender, A-U-T-I, yeah. gender. I've never heard of that. What is that? Can you tell us more? So <laughs> it's funny that
1: I just said, no, Microlabels don't really apply to me, but this one kind of does. This is an interesting term. It is obviously related to gender. Some people consider it a whole gender in itself, and some people consider it more of an adjective. Like, you could be autogender trans, or autogender transmasculine, or you could be autogender agender. It was coined around 2014, I think, by two blogs on Tumblr. One's URL was Autism Gender, and one was Esperance Girl. I don't know if either of those blogs are active anymore, but they were the ones who coined it through a blog called MOGAI Archive at the time. and. The definition is it's a little bit encompassing because it's going to mean a little bit different thing to each autistic person who who resonates with it but it's when your autism and your neurotype so directly or all-encompassingly affects your gender, your concept of gender, your understanding of what gender is that you can't separate your autism and your gender. It's like your autistic sense of self and being is innately connected to gender and or influences how you understand your gender for me i i would say oh, yeah autogender fits because i feel like my autistic brain my autistic experiences i've had in my life and just my natural way of being do influence how i understand my own gender how i grasp gender as a concept and i di- i do tend to use it more of an adjective that i am autogender non-binary yeah
0: i like that that's so cool I'm thinking about people in my Discord server community who may fit some of these words. I'm noticing that the... I don't know if I've met a trans person who's not neurodiverse. Like, maybe there's a neurotypical trans person that exists. I don't know if I've met them. (laughs) Legend
1: tells that they might be out there somewhere, but I've certainly never (laughs) met a completely neurotypical trans person.
0: I'm just saying. Yeah. (laughs) It's a really high comorbidity.
1: There there really is. Allegedly, I have a friend who has a friend who knows a cishat autistic person. I believe them. I believe that they, if they say they are, but it seems pretty rare, too. That's so funny.
0: So, a lot of people join the Discord and we have all these, like, questioning roles for folks to figure out stuff. Figure out gender, figure out neurodiversity, whatever. And so we call it eggs hatching or eggs cracking. Like yeah. so many people come in and they're like, I'm trans. And then they realize, oh, I'm autistic too. Or I'm autistic. Oh mm-hmm. my God, I might be trans or gay or something. And it's fun. <laughs> yeah. It's really fun. It feels rewarding to find beholding a space where people can feel comfortable enough to discover themselves more deeply.
1: Yeah. I like that joke too, uh, that some trans people say that they have a trans beam where they will trans their friends' genders because as your friends get to know you and you talk about gender, they might learn things that they hadn't learned before and realize that they themselves aren't cis. I I joke that I have that, but with autism. Mm -hmm. I've had friends who, when they first met me, they might have identified as neurodivergent or ADHD, but not autistic. But there's four now, four friends who have come to realize that they are autistic in adulthood through being friends with me. So I call that my like autism beam.
0: I love that. And with autism and neurodivergence, it's like neurodiversity. I totally lost my train of thought. I lost no it. Worries. It's a superpower and a struggle all at once. ADHD brain. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> no, I get that. I can run a D and D session. I mm-hmm. uh, have a million things going on in my head at one time. Somehow ADHD has all these tabs open and it's working. But then someone like asks me a question.
0: Mm -hmm. And I
1: forget every English word I've ever known in my life. I drop all the balls. That's
0: right. It's, yeah, it's the same. I, there was a while that I was streaming two D&D campaigns. I was running on Twitch, both of them every week, Monday and Wednesday. I had different campaigns. I was running completely different groups of people and it ended up being way too much, too much juggling. So I had to slow down
1: no it's, and knowing your limits is really important <laughs> running any campaign of people who haven't done it might underestimate a little just how much it takes out of you mm-hmm. so how much like mental energy and time koto524 says something interesting in the chat just now about using 2000s era role play forums to explore your gender or orientation or narrative origin thank you for flashing me back to pro boards Because yes, like I should, that should definitely be a point on the timeline of my gender discovery, because wow, I was very into text role playing. It was my primary hobby as a teenager. And yes, I was absolutely exploring my gender and orientation in a way that was safe. Like it was at the time, the internet was still pretty anonymous, and no one was putting their actual like name and stuff in their bio, and I could say I was a guy if I wanted to, and then the next day I could say I was a girl, or I could just refuse to tell people my gender. I could play genderless characters in a roleplay, be an alien or be an elf with no gender, and it was absolutely like a source of fun and freedom and self-discovery, and yeah, shout out to 2000s era text role play on Gaia Online or, like, pro boards or whatever.
0: Yeah. Me, or me adds, I know a lot of people have found space in RPGs to explore their genders. It's a lovely thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's We actually have looking for group tabletop stuff in our Discord server because it's so cool to be able to use tabletop games or other sorts of role-playing games to find those identities and try them out.
1: The loosely 5e game that I'm running is the concept is it's an urban game set in the socialist solar punk meets fantasy city of Saltura and the uh, adventurers are investigative adventurers who solve magical or supernatural cases as a team and I intentionally and thoughtfully made this world very gay and trans. Like, it is very normal, Saltura has a pride parade every June, pronoun pins are super common, my NPCs are often not cis and not het, and it's just, it's so cool. All of our characters too, our player characters, not cis or or not het in some way, and we all get to explore that as a bunch of neurodivergent queer and trans people. So I just, it's really cool and fun. and. If I'm going to make a world, heck, it's going to be colorful. And fuck yeah, yeah, it's going to be gay as hell. (laughs)
0: Loosely 5e, also known as 5e.
1: Yeah, (laughs) 5e. It's like when most of your friends have only played 5e, you still want to run a campaign for them.
0: Yeah, It's been interesting. We played a lot of 5e in 2020. And then the two people of color in my group were like, we're so done with this. It's so racist the way that Mm -hmm. all the stuff is. And so we stopped. We just, we just straight up full stop, stopped both of our campaigns. And we went searching for a long time for a system to use instead. We had a lot of criteria and we found and tried a lot of different things. And I, I think by the time we finally found the system that we thought would work well for us, we've lost steam as a group. Oh, yeah, to keep like doing the thing and streaming and whatever, so now we have a private game with some of us, not all of us, some right. of us from that group, but it it was definitely an interesting journey, like trying to figure out how can we do tabletop games and decolonize the the yeah. racism.
1: Uh, If you don't mind me taking a little tangent away from like autism specifically, in my game I reworked quite a few of the races, so I did away with a lot of the anti-indigenous race- all of the anti-indigenous racism usually associated with orcs and goblins. In fact, orcs, I really swung the other way and I made them based in viking. Culture specifically, and with dwarves, to because just I know that's very fraught with like ableism and people who have dwarfism. There's all these mixed feelings about dwarves and fantasy. Uh, I instead made that race the Oramos, is what I named them, and they are uh, like kind of mountain goat people. Hmm. So they build their homes like into the sides of mountains, and they mine for ore and have a lot of the same like mechanical traits as dwarves, but the Oramos also get like cute horns and hooves and they crave that mineral. And like I had goblins be uh, recent arrivals from the Feywild uh, who are new to this world and they're not like understood to be monsters, like they're just different. They're just little friends who have very like cooperative societies that are like matrilineal and they're polyamorous and I like project all of my own interests into these colorful little friends my goblins are like an array of rainbow colors and i just made it so there are no evil races mm. in my D D game and wrote a lot of my own lore when it comes to the different races and classes to avoid as much as i could and all, all of my players were on board with that so it's worked out well for us but what you did and, and what your you know party did your table is totally valid too like i understand is totally wanting to Divorce from Wizards of the Coast and just not have anything to do with that system. I I feel those feelings too, right? Yeah. So I get it.
0: There's the added layer of challenge where there's something about my brain Mm -hmm. that makes it really hard to read books and learn the new things. And like, I learned D&D by listening to D&D podcasts for a year before I ever played. Gotcha. And so it's been harder to find like recordings and things I can listen to and systems that I can learn by listening. Or watching because I just cannot get myself to sit down and read a whole book and I there was a while where we were doing a bunch of one shots of a bunch of different systems and it was so stressful because it's like I have to learn a new thing every week this is so much oh my god yeah that's a
1: lot especially depending on the complexity of the system you're using
0: yeah so I've made a lot of friends in the sort of indie tabletop realm who will make a character with me will sit down and make a character and I've just told them I just need help because I'm overwhelmed and yeah, I want to play, and also my brain though, and so I've been really delighted, especially by my friend Logan, who is another guest. Ink and Stories is his handle on the internet, but he makes sweet little games, and so you can
1: follow him on Twitter. Yeah, actually, we're,
0: we're like buds now. It's really cute. We're gonna do a home game of Wander Home this next month. I had to schedule like three or four oh. weeks out because we both. Yeah. I've got a kid parenting schedule this summer that's a little more complicated than usual when school's in session anyways it's like logan and i have sat down at 10 p.m my time which is 2 p.m the next day his time down in australia and have made characters at 10 o'clock at night so i can play wander home <laughs> with him because it's like a really cool system and my brain really is just good. like ah the things so it's a great system you should totally try wander home yeah i have my eye on it I absolutely it's so will. great it's so great so yeah it's been cool like getting to know people in like indie tabletop twitter
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple friends who introduced me you know, to more and more indie games and really got me the taste for it. Phoenix Dawn Command is technically an indie game. It's a role-playing game that uses tarot-sized cards instead of dice. And it's like a board game meets a, a role-playing game, and I really enjoy it. It's a little bit of a wild concept. You're magical superheroes who level up by dying. And you have seven lives, and to live and make a difference and fight this evil in the world called the Dread. And every time you come back, you're a little more powerful. But when you die your seventh death, that's it. So I, I really oh. like Phoenix Dawn Command. It's just, it's neat. It's, uh, it combines a lot of my interests. There's a little bit of uh, fantasy horror in what you're fighting. And then there's the magical superheroes aspect. And yeah, I just really like Phoenix Dawn Command. And that's my shout out to Together Studios, T W O. Together and the Phoenix Dawn command. If you're interested, look into it.
0: I'll add it to the show notes. That sounds really cool. We're at 57 minutes, and I knew we wanted to check in about an hour and see. I have two questions before any sort of resource or reminders. And then if anyone in the chat has questions, we could possibly take those too. So I was wondering if you can share a moment of gender euphoria. This is a question i love to ask all my guests because it's so fun to talk about euphoria.
1: <sighs> I have experienced a lot of the classic ones, like the moment you first put on a binder, which my first binder was a gift from my friend Leaf, and that was quite something for me because I am such a huge nerd. Whenever a friend or my girlfriend kind of compares me to a, a character that I like and admire. I get gender euphoria, like a couple times in my life people have told me I'm a little bit like Milo Thatch from Atlantis, and he was like peak gender feels <laughs> for me as a young person, so I really like that. And then getting to play as a GM, I get to be a bunch of different NPCs, and I do feel gender euphoria when I play a few of my male or trans NPCs one in particular named Justice who's this tiefling who uses a wheelchair like I do I'm a ambulatory wheelchair user so I walk I can walk with a cane uh, but I also sometimes use a chair and when I get to be him and describe his cool outfits and talk in this slight british accent I just I really like being Justice and I guess just having my gender validated is still a little new to me I've been socially out for about 2 years and with the group of friends I play D&D with, everybody has been so consistent about using my pronouns and they've always really respected my gender. And if anybody ever does accidentally make a mistake, it's very rare and they quickly like correct and move on. And I feel so safe with that group. So having like my friends and my lovely girlfriend just consistently get it right. And I can tell that they aren't just like memorizing my pronouns, but they try to understand that I'm a non-binary person and it's core to my identity having a friend group at all is new to me and then then that on top of it it's like it's euphoric so yeah yeah.
0: is there a fair bit of neuro wonderfulness in your friend group
1: yes we are all neuro wonderful to some degree i think three or five of us four or five of us are autistic it's a really good group and i accidentally stumbled into it um, i don't know a couple years ago maybe a year and a half and the fact that we all found each other and became such good friends like, two, two of us are from the Netherlands, uh, one of us is from Canada, that's me, two are from the U.S. The fact that we found each other and became such good friends is really, it's really cool. <laughs> so, I like
0: that. I love that. No. I have a short story, and I think people who've heard the show and podcast have heard the story, so I'll keep it short, but whenever I turn on Zoom, I have this beard from my filter, <laughs> and I forget that it's on there, and so every time I see it, I'm like, ah. There I am being handsome and looking like me. It's so nice. You are very handsome. Thank you. And it took me a minute to catch on that it's a filter. That's so pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it's wonderful. I love it so much. Okay. So my my last sort of major question is what would you like to make sure folks know about your perspective on gender and non binary issues?
1: I guess the first thing is uh that I wasn't always Knowledgeable. I didn't always know what I was talking about. Made some mistakes. So I want people to know that if you are one of the people who helped me through this years ago on Tumblr.com, uh, I appreciate it so much. And that I've followed and been mutuals with people uh, who are trans, non-binary, and that's been such a, a a learning thing for me. So I really appreciate that. I guess I tend to have a very like accepting idea of gender, and however a person identifies, as long as it's in good faith, I'm cool with it. And I do, I've been very interested in queer theory over the last year, about learning about, specifically like more North American uh, and British, just the the history of the queer community, and how people used to identify, and the words that were used then, and the words that are used now. And I think learning that history has given me a broader understanding and acceptance of people, and getting to actually know their trans and and non people has been really eye-opening for me so my natural autistic inclination of black and white thinking and wanting to neatly categorize things I like that I've been I've been beginning to move past it and just accept that every person is going to have their own idea of what gender is what their gender is and as long as we are like accepting and loving each other and identifying good faith whatever like whatever you want to call yourself and I again I feel more comfortable not necessarily picking a micro label. Mm-hmm. Like just saying that like, I'm gender queer.
0: I love so. that. That's great. What resources would you like us to share? So we have together Together Studios Phoenix on Command for in terms of like cross promo, we have your Twitter and your two books that you have essays featured in. Is there any sort of resources you want to talk oh, about? Oh
1: boy, I guess specifically to autism so, somebody I really admire and have admired for a long time is Lydia XZ Brown. They are a nine non-binary Asian American autistic activist and their work was really formative for my understanding of autism and autistic justice and disability justice. They're also an attorney and but also they were one of the first publicly non-binary autistic authors and, and activists that I saw. And I admire them so much, and I think that their work is really thoughtful and well-written, but also like accessible to people who aren't necessarily well-versed in academic language. So I recommend their work to anybody. And then I guess just on Twitter, there's the actually autistic hashtag. Mm-hmm. So if you are one of those people who over the course of this last year, you might be thinking, oh, maybe I'm not as neurotypical as I thought. I find that one of the best ways to learn and and share with other people who might have similar experiences is just going straight to the source yeah. uh, of other autistic people. So Absolutely. I, I think that while it's a big tag and there's a lot of people in that tag, you can find some like good resources and also just see what autistic people say about themselves and their experiences. And if that happens to resonate with you, then that's your yeah.
0: what you honestly want to like the meme subreddits for like autism and ADHD <laughs> have been such a huge yeah. awakening for me yeah and I know it's just yeah. like autistic people posting about being autistic but like actually though <laughs> no, it's very it's, helpful it's such
1: an accessible format <laughs> and it's not as it's not as intimidating as like a big long blog post that mm-hmm. uses a lot of medical terminology like you're hearing interoception and, and executive functioning and praxia, you're like what's that but Memes are a lot more accessible and can be a really good way of learning.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. so fun. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how much I've learned from memes. It's wild.
1: <laughs> that's me with the like uh meme kind of subreddits for trans people <laughs> and mm-hmm. non binary people that like mm-hmm. cracked me real good a couple
0: years ago. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we have one one post from the, the chat, it came up during I guess our parallel play talk. Does parallel playing single player games together count
1: absolutely yeah that's as long as you're in the same general area and just doing your own thing i think that's totally parallel play my actually my partner and i do that we both play animal crossing new horizons at the same time he'll be on the te- television on our like main switch and i have my own little switch light and i'll just be I like see. in my beanbag chair he's on the couch and every once in a while he'll say oh i got this like giant shark or something or i'll yeah, say yeah, oh yeah. it's the I forgot it's the bug bug hunt today, so
0: yeah, totally parallel play. I played a lot of Animal Crossing last year. So much yeah. Animal Crossing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I got really into it. Actually, I think I'm still- I've eased up to playing maybe like every other day, but into March, April of this year, I was still playing every day, and I was mm-hmm. one of the only people in my friend groups who were logging on every day.
0: Mm-hmm. So I,
1: it was a real source of comfort for me over the past year.
0: There's a special form of grieving that happens when you feel a special interest starting to slip away.
1: Oh, a moment of silence <laughs> for all the special interests and hobbies that I've had and started. <laughs> and then gone to memories, but I don't touch them anymore.
0: Yeah. Yep. It's so interesting because when you're in it, you're like, I'm going to do this forever. Yeah. This is for me. That's what my brain says. This is it. This is my forever thing. And then yeah. there's some switch happens and I'm like, I'm over it. I'm done. For
1: me, yeah, there's some interests that I have had my whole life and they become core interests of mine, like Mm -hmm. I'm a hobbyist herbalist and I grow my own herbs on our balcony Mm -hmm. here in our condo. I've been into that since I was 13, like, that's been a special interest for me along with like mythology uh, and folklore, cats, but then there are the smaller things that come and go. I'll be really into a certain video game or a certain kind of crafting or whatever for a while and a certain show and then you feel that it's like new relationship energy but for an interest you feel it begin to sizzle out
0: yeah sometimes they
1: stay in your life and become like beloved friends and sometimes you say goodbye you kiss the special interest goodbye yeah yeah
0: Yeah. i feel like cats and video games are always going to be special interests but like the specific video game is going to change a lot
1: yeah, I get that. For me uh, right now, I'm trying to finish up Divinity 2. Or Divinity Original Sin 2. And but like the fizzle it's fizzled out for me. Mm-hmm. Like the special interest isn't there anymore, so I'm like pushing through to finish it. Mm-hmm. And I'm just I'm lying in wait waiting for my next like video game special interest to come along. I know yeah. it'll happen.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. me that's a big game to actually finish.
1: Yeah. And I tend to want to do all of the side quests. So me too. Me I always want to
0: do all the things. I don't want to miss out. What if there's a trans person in the game and I don't find exactly. them and I didn't do the side quest? I found a couple gay couples. <laughs> so
1: <laughs> I take screenshots and send them to my girlfriend when I do find some gays.
0: I love it so much. Oh, well, that's so fun. Yeah. I Have you ever played Breath of the Wild? Yes, I've only gotten to that first
1: village that you get to. That's actually my plan for when I'm done Divinity Original Sin 2 is I'm going to get back to Breath of the Wild
0: I was really enjoying it I it's I bought a Nintendo Switch just so I could play that game and even though now I have multiple games for the Switch, I still think if that's the only game I ever owned for the Switch, it would still be worth it
1: Yeah, it's, it's an such incredible a game. game Yeah, it's gorgeous I love that early stage that where you haven't gotten any villages yet and you're just on your own You're just climbing Mm -hmm. cliffs, and you're just crafting delicious mushroom meals, and Mm -hmm. it's just silence and nature, Mm
0: -hmm. some
1: birds occasionally.
0: Yeah, it's great. I recently finished a challenge run where I beat the whole game with three permanent hearts on hard mode.
1: Oh my gosh. Because
0: I'm that person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm out here, like, I barely know how to switch shields, but you're doing that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, but I played so many other games in between some of the streams, I, like, would forget... I would forget the, how the buttons go and I had to relearn it again and again. Oh, yeah, one of the, I have that the pitfalls too. of being a variety streamer is you forget all the buttons and you spend like the first 30 minutes of your stream remembering all the buttons.
1: I'm not a variety streamer, but <laughs> yeah, I'm I am dyspraxic. <laughs> so going between games can be a challenge.
0: It was really fun last week to only play one game the whole week. And just yeah. have that consistency and like, okay. And yeah. know how to do all the things. That's great.
1: Brain likes routine.
0: It's true. It's true. We had some guests come visit. Everyone super duper all the way vaccinated. We had a guest come visit and it threw off all my routines and we didn't hard boil our eggs on Sunday. And then we didn't have breakfast for a week because it was like, we forgot to do this thing. It's so, it's like, I have to design the system of how my day goes (laughs) or everything goes awry because my executive function is not great.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yesterday one of my sessions at igm ended a little early and it just my whole day was like i don't know what's happening i don't know where i am (laughs) like i yeah i made it work but i totally get that like even a small change to the routine can really throw me off
0: this is super fun and i've run out of questions to ask you we could totally just sit around and talk about whatever but i also know like i am feeling my blood sugar do this because i haven't had lunch but not a lunch
1: oh yeah you gotta have lunch then Um, I will not keep you too long, then.
0: And this is so much fun, and I wish we could just talk for hours and hours. Yeah, this has been
1: good. I'm glad we could meet and uh, that I got to learn about your very cool Discord and your very cool Twitch channel, and that we are aware of each other's existence now.
0: Yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been such a delight. Thank you for having me. And, yeah, I look forward to hopefully more chats sometime on Twitter or Discord or... In a voice chat or whatever feels cozy and awesome to you. Yeah. Yeah. And uh,
1: thanks for having me, and thanks for being here, everybody who's in chat. This was really fun. So fun.